0: Daniel chapter 2 tonight and uh, once you find it let's go ahead and stand and we'll read the scripture here Daniel chapter 2 and uh, we'll begin our, our reading in verse 12 we, we just covered this um, um, on Wednesday for those of you that were here and, and so I'm not going to read the whole passage again we'll do some review but I'd like to begin reading in verse 12 just because it it kind of picks up um, part of this. Now, to understand that there's been a decree sent out by the king that he's going to kill all the wise men in in Babylon because they couldn't give him his dream or interpret his dream. He said, "I want not just the dream. I want the interpret. I want. I don't just want the interpretation. I want the dream as well. You need to tell me what the dream was." And uh, all of his wise men are like, "This is impossible." And he says, "Well, if you don't do it, I'm going to kill you." And so. That wise man, that decree, the wise man includes Daniel and all of his friends. So this is a big issue. Look at verse 12. It says, for this cause the king was angry because they, they couldn't tell him. For this cause the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. Understand that he had already started the job, like he was heading out to do the job. This was not a delay. He was going to t- kill the wise men. This was done within hours, very likely. It says, he answered and said to Ariok, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty? Why is it happening so quickly from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. He tells him the background. Then Daniel went in and this is so brave and desired of the king that he would give him time. And as you know, if you know the story of Esther, uh, then a lot of our, a lot of our folks that went to couples retreat, they watched Esther at Sight and Sound Theater in Branson. And it was, an, I, I, we didn't go, but I heard it was an incredible production. Um, but you don't just go into the king anytime you want. The king has to be in a good mood or you may not get out there with your head. So Daniel, though, has the courage. He's like, I'm, I'm going to die anyway. I might as well go make my case to the king. It goes in verse 16. He went in and desired to desired the king that he would give him time and that, they, that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might, and hast made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon... Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. And we're going to get to the rest of the story at a different time. Uh, But today, I, I, I just want to talk to you tonight about the roller coaster of life. Roller coasters are on my mind this week. We went to Silver Dollar City and rode roller coasters and had some very memorable experiences. Mel Everett on roller coasters. And, uh, and so I want to, I just, life is a roller coaster sometimes, isn't it? You think things are going well, then suddenly, boy, an unexpected dip. An unexpected turn, an unexpected roll. And, and I just wanted I mean, just to give you some maybe biblical response to life's roller coasters tonight. And let's pray and ask God to help us. Lord, we need you. Pray that you meet with us and bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I've already mentioned, we went to couples retreat this week. We went to Silver Dollar City, and, and uh, it's an amusement park. And uh, that was kind of the, the main attraction, you know, with the, the Christmas lights and all of that. You know, there was, we had a really great time. Good time, I would encourage those couples who weren't able to go this year, we'll probably do something like it every year when we can, and so maybe just start setting some money aside if you can to go, because it was worth it. It was good time, but also just time with our, with our spouses and time together. It was a blessing. But, but I've noticed there are two types of people at Couples Retreat. There are those who like roller coasters and those who would rather be waterboarded. And I mean, really, that's kind of the extreme. There are those who are willing to get on. How many of you are the, you're willing to ride? Okay, how many of you're like, no, give me waterboarding? Okay, I would rather. Okay, all right. So you like torture? That's fine. So, you know. So uh, you know there are some. You know there are people on both sides of it. There are those that are very gung ho about riding, and then there are those that are you know the water boarders, and, um, and so one of those is Mel Everett. So. Uh, you know we were talking about going and riding and and so there was a group of us going on this ride called Outlaw Run and Outlaw Run is by far the most intense ride at Silver Dollar City it's uh, it's rough on you it's got loops and I mean all kinds of stuff so there's a group of us going and and, um, you know, Ms. Mel is on the fence about it. And so we're kind of trying to convince her to ride. Yeah, you need to just do it. You'll, you'll be fine. And so I was really trying to convince her. And I said, listen, Mel, if you die, I'll finish raising Carson. <laughs> so once we get on, on the ride, I remember how intense it is. And suddenly I had a vision of Carson showing up at my house with a suitcase and I was begging God to help her survive the ride. <laughs> I'm praying, Lord, please help her live. So we got to the end of the ride, and, and she was still alive, praise the Lord, but in all honesty, she wasn't the same the rest of the day. It was very intense for her, and you know, she's now probably thinking, I'll never trust church people again, you know. Um, it's interesting, though, that the joys of, the, of roller coasters are, are, are the unexpected turns, uh, and and there were those that went back and rode those rides at night. And it's a completely different experience because you don't know what's coming. And, and, and in a roller coaster, that's fun. That's the reason you ride them. And for some reason, that, people, that's the reason you don't ride them because of the unexpected turns. But what's fun for some is miserable for others. Um, but, it, but that's kind of a picture of life, that, that life is a roller coaster sometimes. And, and things are moving along just great and suddenly... There's a turn that you weren't expecting, and they're so unexpected, you know, that you, you just weren't ready for it, and it's okay on a roller coaster, but in real life, the unexpected turns, they're less thrilling most of the time. They're more discouraging, really, and you're not prepared for it, and if anybody lived a roller coaster life, it was Daniel. I mean, think about it. It started out uh, rough as, as a child. You know, Judah was backslidden, and and they're moving away from God, and then he got to see what it, that the good part when, when uh, Judah experienced revival, and, and then as a teenager, um, he's moving along, rolling along, and he's kidnapped from his home. He's taken to Babylon and, and taken captive in a foreign country, and, and so you see his life is like things are, are bad, then things are good, then, then things are really bad. He gets kidnapped, and then he, once he gets there, then he's tempted to compromise, and and his values are being confronted. And, and he's asked to conform to the cultural expectations of Babylon. But, but in the ups and downs, he takes his stand. And now God blesses him. And, and, and he puts him in favor with the king. He's, he's got, you know, influence in the kingdom. And I'm imagining that Daniel at this time is thinking, okay, things have been bad. Then things were good. Then things were bad. Then things were good. Things were bad. Well, now things are good. And I'm just going to assume that the roller coaster is, it has stopped with the unexpected turns. That's probably a dangerous place to be. You think, well, things are going really well. I don't expect that anything bad is going to happen now because, I mean, God really brought us through. I stood for my convictions. He blessed. Things are going well. And now he's probably starting to think, maybe I can really make a difference in the kingdom. Maybe I could, I could lead the king to start following Jehovah. Jehovah. Maybe I could influence my peers that, that were so willing to compromise. Maybe they can see me standing and I can make a difference. Maybe I'll leave a legacy. Maybe, maybe I can convince the king to send us back to, to Jerusalem. It, maybe I, I can see that happen. And, and things were going so well and things were looking up. I imagine him waking up one morning and, and he opens the curtains of his room and he's He's whistling a happy morning tune, which, I mean, he's one of those weirdos who's happy when they wake up. You know, and it's another beautiful day. Endless possibilities. Things are, are looking up. I've got influence with the king. I'm living a, a good life. I've, I, I'm, the king is preferring me over his own magicians, over his own sorcerers. Um, God uh, has has come through for me. He's He's working in my life. Things are finally good again. I'm not saying they're perfect. my family, they're still back in Judah. i probably never see my parents again. but this is about as good as I could have predicted it would turn out. And then he gets a knock at the door. Maybe Daniel thinks the king needs some advice. You know, he's like, thinking, "Oh, you know, I, I, I did that last week. I one thing for him. I helped him with some advice and gave him some counsel, and things turned out, well, maybe he's going to give me a reward. Maybe I get a medal for my service and and he opens the door, things have been going well and there's a guy there, his name's Ariok. He's the chief executioner, Daniel opens the door and Ariok hides an axe behind his back. It's like, what's that about? Daniel, I need you out here in 30 minutes, out in the courtyard. He's like, oh, oh, do we have a meeting? Am I going to get a medal? Uh, no, actually, Daniel, I hate to tell you this, but you're going to be executed along with all the wise men in Babylon. And Daniel's like, did you say um, I'm, I'm going to be made an executive? Is that what you said? <laughs> no, Daniel, I said executed. You're going to die. And here's what happened. He explains what happened. The king, he says, uh, Daniel, the king has had this recurring dream and, and, and he won't tell the dream to his wise men, But he wants an interpretation. He also wants the dream. He said, If you don't tell me the dream and the interpretation, I'm going to kill all the wise men in Babylon. And Daniel, I hate to tell you this, but that includes you and your friends. You don't, you don't just, he doesn't just want the interpretation, he wants the whole dream and, and you know, they tried to stall for time and, and the king saw right through that and and he's not happy about it and he says he wants me to do this quickly, I've already begun the process, I'm gathering all the wise men into the courtyard and, and, and so Daniel in that moment, I can't even imagine what's going through his mind. You know, things were so good and then here's the roller coaster turn. It's not just a, a dip, it's like a barrel roll and you weren't ready for it and maybe your seatbelt wasn't even on. That's how he feels. And, and, the, and so the king has said, this is gonna happen. There's nothing we can do about it. And I mean, have you ever noticed how fast life can change? It's amazing how quickly things fall apart. I mean, I remember back three and a half years ago when, uh, remember COVID? COVID? I mean, life was normal one day, and then everything was different the next day. And, and if we ever thought that, boy, you know, America's so stable, we're impervious to something like that. Boy, we learned quick, didn't we? Things can change just like that. And, and, and that happens sometimes. One phone call changes everything. One decision Uh, And nothing is the same after that. One moment and everything changes. Our natural response is despair when that happens. And and we forget the truth that we looked at this past Wednesday, that there's no help on earth, but there is a God in heaven. When the roller coaster, though, drops, that's the last thing on our minds. And our faith in God is usually the first thing that we forget. We leave it back up at the top of the hill. And Daniel is left thinking, is this really what God... Brought me to this point in my life to do, to be executed for something that isn't my fault at all? But, but notice though that rather than lose all hope, Daniel gives an incredible example of how to handle the ups and downs of, of a roller coaster life. See, he goes to the king and he requests some time, and, and the king clearly respects Daniel more than his own, uh, his own magicians and sorcerers. He gives him time. So Daniel goes home and he gathers his buddies, they seek the Lord about it, and big surprise, God comes through for Daniel once again. He reveals the dream, he reveals the interpretation, we'll look at that in a different message, and then he lifts Daniel up to a position of even higher honor, God gets the glory, Daniel's influence is increased, and God's plans for Daniel are still intact. Boy, this is, this is an incredible story. You say, well, but what difference does it make? Well, I want to submit to you tonight that the ending that Daniel got to enjoy, which was better than, I mean, in the moment when everything fell apart, he never probably dreamed that the ending would look like it did. But I would submit to you that the, the ending that Daniel got to enjoy was because of how he responded to the roller coaster. See, there are a few principles, there are a few principles here that I think can be a help to us tonight. And it's probably a practical message more than anything, but I just want to help you get to see a biblical response when the roller coaster drops. And the first one that I want to mention, I I kind of implied this on Wednesday, but I want to uh, develop it, unpack it a little bit more, is this. Don't trust your first emotions. Don't trust your first emotions. See, I can't imagine what Daniel felt when when Ariot came to his door, when he got the news. And what emotion would you feel if someone came and said, you're going to die today? I mean, I, I don't know if it would be confusion, it would be fear, it would be anger, it would be despair, all of the above. I mean, and just because Daniel's awesome, and he is, it doesn't mean that Daniel's not human. He felt those things. And I imagine that his first emotion was like ours would be. It was negative. And it reminds me of the children of Israel. You remember when, when God sent the 10 plagues and he brought them out of Egypt, and, and they come to the, the Red Sea, I mean, this is the first obstacle. They're not even out of Egypt. And what did they start doing immediately? Complaining, murmuring. Their first emotion was despair. Their first emotion was unbelief. Their first emotion was was fear and confusion. And that's how we are. When we come and the roller coaster drops, our first emotion is just throwing the towel. I mean, this is too big of an obstacle, and there's no way God's going to get us through this. And we're like the children of Israel so often, and, and, and we just lose our, our focus on the things that matter because our emotions rise to the top. I mean, had God already already proven himself with the ten plagues? Absolutely. But their first response was fear and murmuring. And, and that's how we are. We're very good at getting upset um, with an infinite God that doesn't meet our finite expectations. You know, we have these expectations of God that this is the way it's supposed to work and when it doesn't work that way, well, we just, we kind of lose it sometimes. And it blinds our ability to remember that God is more than capable of handling our problems. Our emotions, our first emotions are not accurate. And here's the lesson that to learn that we need to discern the difference between our expectations and God's obligations. See, God is not obligated to meet our expectations. And we need to focus on his promises rather than our expectations. See, there will be times when he works in a different way than you thought he would. And just remember this: it will always be better his way. See, here's the proper order when the roller coaster drops. Here this is a this is a helpful statement for me and it's it's helped me as I'm preparing for this message let what you know about God inform how you feel about the moment let what you know about God inform how you feel about the moment see meaning that in the moment it's despair in the moment it's fear in the moment it's confusion in the moment it's anxiety in the moment it's worry But behind all of that, you need to let what you know about God inform how you feel about the moment. See, too often we let how we feel lead what we know. We let how we feel inform what we know, and it never works well. If you live that way, you're always going to respond to your first emotion, and it's usually not correct. Your first emotion rarely leads to the right actions. If you can survive your initial emotion by informing your emotion based on what you know about God, it will allow you to evaluate the situation without jumping to conclusions. See, we're so quick to jump to conclusions before we hear a whole matter. And life changes so quick. And if all you ever do is respond to the changing in life, if you're always in the reaction zone, you'll never get to the understanding zone, and you're going to make some massive mistakes. People that are led by their emotions make huge mistakes in life. There are few things more destructive in life than jumping to conclusions or making assumptions without getting all the facts. I mean, I just think about problems in churches. How many problems in churches could be avoided if we refused to come to a conclusion before we got all the information? I wonder how many relationships are broken in families because of assumptions that aren't even true. See, we, int- we, we, we uh, tend to immediately assume the worst about people, and most of the time, that wasn't even their intention at all. Be careful. Listen, your first emotion is probably the most dangerous emotion. Your initial reaction to a t- tough situation is, is usually not even Correct? And we we must learn this is a a sign of maturity that when your initial emotion causes you to be thrust into despair or anger or fear or anxiety or worry, the best thing you can do is stop and inform yourself based on what you know about God. Inform how you feel based on what you know about God. When life is a roller coaster, refuse to trust your first emotion. Second, do what you can do. Do what you can do. See, we have a lot to learn from Daniel. He took steps rather than just plunging into despair. Sometimes God wants to use a situation to reveal our faith. Just remember that faith is proven by works and we prove our faith with our obedience. Daniel's first First, his first thing, he went to his authority. He went to Arioch. He, he and then he took a true t- step of faith by going to the king. Now, you couldn't just approach the king anytime you wanted, uh, but Daniel had earned a reputation of integrity, and it gave the king a confidence that that I can give this guy some time, and he'll probably make good use of the time. It's interesting that we sometimes say, "Just have faith. Just wait on God." Listen, I know that sounds good. But we don't ever just truly wait on God. By that I mean we may not address a certain situation. But God never says just sit down and do nothing until I start to work. No, what he tells us is that faith is not just waiting. Faith is just continuing to obey what you know you're supposed to do. Until I come in and solve the problem. And sometimes what we do, our first response when there's a bad situation or we have a roller coaster experience is we just throw our hands up in the air. We throw in the towel and say, I'm going to go sit down. And what we do is we, we pull back from God's word when we should be diving deeper into God's word. And we pull back from prayer when we should be on our knees even more than we've ever been. And we pull back from our church family when the last thing we need in that moment is to to have no relationships helping us stay accountable and encouraging us. And our tendency when we have a, a roller coaster situation is we just step back and say, I'm just gonna wait on God. No, God doesn't, that's not faith. Faith is you do what you're supposed to do and continue to believe that God's going to keep his promises. You do what you can do and allow God to do what only he can do. And where those meet in the middle, I'm telling you, that's faith. Faith is a combination of belief and obedience. We embrace God's promises and we pursue obedience. That's faith. So once Daniel does his part, God says, okay, now it's time for me to do what only I can do. See, sometimes we treat a roller coaster drop like it's time to throw in the towel and we pull away from all these things. But I just noticed that Daniel, he took some steps. And if you, if you think about it, Daniel's actions saved their lives. Because Daniel's actions uh, put, put the king's wrath on hold and gave God the time to do what only God can do. Listen, you just do what you can until God does what he can. That's faith. When life's a roller coaster, don't trust your first emotion. Do what you can do. And third, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. I know this sounds so cliche, but I wonder how many times we talk about the issues of our lives and we aren't honestly, truly on our knees before God seeking him with fervency. He tells his friends so they'll pray. He doesn't just tell his friends so that he can pass on information and get sympathy. And, and get sympathy. You know, sometimes that can happen. We, we want people to know. And so we share these things. And we let people know how hard things are. And we've never prayed about it. Now, if you're going to share it, make sure that you've done your part in prayer. Make sure that you're not just telling people so they can hear you. You're telling people so they can pray. And I love that Daniel chose faith over fretting. It reminds me of Paul. You know, Paul said in Philippians 4, he said, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And what Paul does there is he reveals two responses to the roller coasters. He says, you can either be careful, and that literally means full of care. It means anxious is the word. Anxiety, it means that you're worried, that you're burdened down with the cares. That's one response, or in everything by prayer and supplication. So you can either carry the burden yourself or you can respond by going to the Lord. The first emotion is is anxiety. That's, That's what it means to be careful. But don't let that deter you from what is true and right. And that you have a God who wants to help you with your problems. And so if you allow your emotion to drive you, you'll carry that burden yourself. But if you allow the truth of what you know about God to drive you, then you will take that in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to a God who can do for you what nobody else can do for you, and that is give you peace that passes all understanding. If you simply abide by your first emotions, you're going to miss out on the peace that God wants to give you. But God gives peace that passes all understanding. I mean, you may not even understand the peace. But we can have peace in a tough situation because God does miracles in our lives. And Don't feel bad also, don't feel bad about peace. When you have peace in a bad situation and people are like, boy, I don't know how you have peace. I can't believe you're not really worried or thinking about this. Don't feel bad about that. That's a supernatural gift from God. And be thankful that God can give you peace when, when nobody else can help you. One thing to notice here is that Daniel went to the Lord without an accusatory tone. He, it doesn't, you, you don't get any indication here that Daniel was angry or accusative. And I want to be balanced here. I'm not saying that it's wrong to ask questions because that's part of being human. But that's the emotion part. And remember that the truth that I already mentioned that you ought to let what you know about God inform how you feel about the moment. It's okay to feel. God made us to feel. But you can't allow what you feel to overcome what you know to be true of God. I feel worried. But he's sovereign. That wins. You know, I feel confused. It's okay to feel confused. But you can't let your confusion inform what you know you have to let what you know about God inform how you feel you say I feel confused but he's all knowing so I can trust him I feel broken I feel in despair but he's all powerful so there's nothing he can't handle I can feel we can feel and I mean anytime that you have loss you're going to feel something anytime you're in despair I mean you feel it but we must balance how we feel with what we know to be true of God no, God, Daniel went in order to give God a chance to do what only he could do. He went to God uh, to, because he knew something that's true about God. When life's a roller coaster, don't trust your first emotions. Second, do what you can do. Third, seek the Lord. And fourth, give God glory no matter what. See, Daniel immediately stopped when God gave him the answer. We haven't even got to that. We're not going to get it to it today, but... When God gave him the answer, he immediately stopped and glorified God. You know, he acknowledged God's wisdom. And we, we, the, we, I'm going to read these verses here. Or we read the verses here. Verse 20. Let's just think about what he said. Verse 20. Then Daniel, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. I want you to notice how immediately Daniel stopped and gave glory to God. Listen, this is a good reason to teach our children to say thank you immediately. Because if you leave any space between God doing something for you and you saying thank you, you're very likely to forget to give him the praise that he deserves. And when God does something in your life, don't wait to say thank you. I can't tell you how many times even in my own life that God, I've prayed for something and I sought God about something. And, and even, even if I'm preaching and I'm begging God in my office to just fill me with, your, with, your, with his spirit and, and, and do something that I can't do. I feel unprepared. I'm just not ready for this. God, please do something. And he comes through. And after church, I just go home and eat lunch. I mean God answered my prayer he helped me he helped me convey the message I'm not saying it was the best message ever but he answered what I asked him to but how many times he's done that in my life and I forget to stop right then and say thank you God I didn't deserve what you did you certainly didn't owe me that but you answered my request and I just want to stop right now and say thank you how many times do we do that in life Where God answers our request, he gives us grace, he gives us uh, the help that we need in a moment, and rather than stopping right then, we just move on and we forget that that it is time to stop and praise God for what he did. Daniel had plenty of reasons to to glorify God. God answered to his request, God saved their lives, there there better be some glory given when God works in our lives, And, and this is a good week to talk about this, every act of prayer deserves a time of praise. Every act of prayer. Otherwise, all we ever do is this right here God, give me, God, give me, God, give me, God, give me. And we need to do this, some of this. God, I give you glory. God, I give you praise. God, I give you thanks. It's not just about what I can give. I want to give you something in return because you deserve it. Give God glory when you get an answer. And and are you in the habit of thanking God when He answers? You know, it's so much harder to teach, and I've mentioned this before. It's so much harder to teach children to say please. I'm um, so it's so much easier to teach children to say please than it is thank you. Because please is you know please, please, give me, give me, give me, please, please. But to teach them to immediately stop and say thank you, that's much more difficult difficult, isn't it? But let's take it a step further. See, so what about when God doesn't do what we ask? See, uh, however hard it is to teach our children to say thank you when they get what they asked for, what about when they don't get what they want? If it's hard to teach them to say thank you when they get what they want, it's just about impossible to teach them to say thank you when they don't get what they want. For example, if your child comes to me and and asks for ice cream, I mean, I, I don't know that I can think of anything better than ice cream. Right now, for some reason, it sounds really good. So what if a child comes to you and says, please, can I have ice cream? So you go to the refrigerator instead of the freezer, and you pull out some leftover broccoli. (laughs) And you hand him a bowl of broccoli. And he looks at that broccoli, and what if you could treat your children that Okay, yes, I asked for ice cream, but they, mom gave me broccoli, dad gave me broccoli. And you give them the broccoli and they look at you and they say, thank you. It's a miracle. <laughs> Most children would cry. This child would cry. <laughs> but you know, sometimes God gives us broccoli when we've asked for ice cream meaning there are times when we go before god we do everything right we seek his face we we fall before him we pray and we don't get the answer we were looking for did you know that god is just as deserving of glory when he doesn't answer the way we ask then he then he deserves glory when he does answer the way we ask and, and I, I just want to help you, and we all need to help in this mindset tonight. Whatever the answer, God's glory is not up for debate. Every answer, yes or no, deserves praise. Praise God when he answers how you desire. Praise God when he doesn't answer how you desire, because he deserves it either way. He deserves our glory uh, for broccoli, and he deserves our glory for ice cream. And the point is this, when you live for God's glory like Daniel did, it allows him to bring about the best in your life through every circumstance. I mean, if you if you are so upset about the broccoli, then I can tell you this: you're going to miss the lessons God's trying to teach you through those circumstances. Uh, he can bring good out of everything, even when it's hard. It, it, but when you refuse to give him the glory, it short circuits that process. I think we short circuit the process that God is trying to do in our lives when the roller coaster drops. Because, because we're, we're looking for our answer. We're not really thinking about his glory. And really what, what our goal ought to be is no matter God, no matter what the answer is. If it's broccoli, I praise you. If it's ice cream, I praise you. What, if you give me nothing, I praise you. You deserve my glory no matter what. I'll praise you for whatever happens because I know that even if I get broccoli, you can turn that into something good. Even if you give me the, the opposite of what I ask, then I know that you can take what I perceive as bad and turn it into something good. So God, no matter what happens, I will give you the praise every time. No matter what you do, I'll give you the glory every time. No matter how you answer, I will say, God, I praise you for not answering. I praise you for answering. I praise you for answering in a way that I wasn't expecting, whatever it is. I just want you to get the glory for this. And I want you to think about Jesus Christ and his example. He chose to pursue his father's glory, even though he didn't necessarily physically look forward to what he had to go through. And look what it brought about for us. And I just wonder what we miss because we fail to focus on God's glory. We're so focused on the answers that we miss the glory of God. See, We're so focused on what we ask for that we fail to see that God knows what we need. God knows what's best for us. And I don't want to cover all this tonight, but I want you to see the actual end result of this. And we're going to get to this at a different message too. But I want you to see the end result of all of this process of Daniel seeking God's glory here. Look at verse 46 of of Daniel 2. This is after the dream. This is after the interpretation. This is after all that. But look at verse 46. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshiped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said of a truth, it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his three buds, over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Listen, Daniel's response to the roller coaster led to others giving God glory as well. You have no, listen, you have no idea what's at stake when your roller coaster drops. You have no idea who's watching when your life falls apart. Your response could convince an unbeliever that God is a God worthy of glory. Your response, moms and dads could convince your children that God deserves praise and he's worthy of our love and our service no matter the answer he gives us right now. Husbands, your response to trouble could impact your whole family's faith. Church member, there may be some younger member in this congregation and they're watching and they're learning how to respond to trouble based on your faith and your trial. They're watching you and your your response to the trouble will will inform them on how they should respond to the trouble. You never know who's watching you on your roller coaster. You know, I'm going to go back to roller coasters because it just is on my mind. You know, some of those roller coasters—they play a very mean trick on you, in that there's a camera at the most intense part of the ride, taking a picture of you at your worst. Now, I always look for the camera because I know it's coming, so I always do some kind of weird pose or whatever, you know. But I saw some pretty unflattering pictures of East Side Church members this week. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) so but it's pretty embarrassing but listen in a lot of ways there are people watching your response to the unexpected turns of life and just like that picture that's being taken um, there may be some younger christian in here and and they are being informed on how you respond to life's trouble based on the picture the shot they're getting ...of you at the the hairpin turn of your roller coaster. And, And it's not fair, maybe. And it doesn't seem like you should have to be under that kind of pressure. But I'm telling you, because Daniel was prepared to respond biblically to the sudden drop... ...Nebuchadnezzar gave glory to God. And so I'm not saying that emotion won't be present when your life takes a turn... But I am saying that it is possible to decide right now that you will let what you know about God inform how you feel about the moment. Rather than simply responding to the difficulty and letting your emotion drive you, your emotion's going to be present, but you decide right now that when your life takes a turn, you're going to allow truth to inform how you feel. Here's why, because you don't know who's watching And you don't know what their response will be to your response. And the last thing that I would want is for some unbeliever that I am aware of, that I know in my life, to watch me go through a trial and think, well, if that's how they respond, why do I want what they have? And I don't want my children to grow up someday and think, well, I saw mom and dad and they said, boy, yeah, we have faith. But every time something happened, they just fell into despair. Why do I need that? Everybody can do that. I don't want some church member that is new and maybe just coming up to watch me fall apart in the midst of a life situation and think, well, why do I need what they have? Because that's how I would respond. No, we don't know who's watching. And we don't know what's at stake. And Daniel was elevated to a position over the entire realm of Babylon. Why? Because he responded biblically To a hairpin turn on the roller coaster. And if we want to make a difference. Not just in the people around us. But even in the next generation. Then we must learn to stop responding with our first emotions. And start responding with truth. What we know about God. And you say well why are you talking about this tonight? Because some of you may have a drop tomorrow. Some of you may be going through a loop next week. And some of you may be completely surprised by the turn of your life next month or in the next six months. And if you're not ready for it, you'll respond with your first emotion. But if you will decide tonight, okay, here's how I'm going to respond. I am, I'm not going to respond to my first emotion. I'm going to do what I know I'm supposed to do. I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm going to seek the Lord fervently in prayer, and I'm going to give him the glory no matter what. If you will decide right now that that's your response, then when your roller coaster drops, you won't be completely caught off guard. It won't be easy. The emotions will still be there. But I'm telling you, the truth that we hear and see in the life of Daniel, I believe it will come flooding back. Because we decided on a night like this that when my roller coaster takes a weird turn, I'm going to respond biblically just like Daniel let me give him to you one more time don't act on your first emotion do what you can do seek the Lord and give him glory no matter the answer let's stand together we'll have a verse of invitation here in just a moment I don't know how the Lord might be speaking to you tonight I don't know maybe this is more preventative I'm hoping so Maybe you're in the middle of a roller coaster ride and you weren't ready for it. Well, there's a biblical way to respond. But listen, I I do believe that we need to consider the fact that next week could be our roller coaster ride. And we've got to be ready for it because we don't know who's watching and we don't know what's at stake. Well, you decide tonight that you will allow what you know about God inform how you feel about the moment. That's a biblical way to think as a child of God. I hope that you'd be willing to do that, make that decision.